Hello, and welcome to the Heavenbound Podcast. My name is Jason Harden. I'm here with Roger Schaus, and we are opening the Bible in search of fuel for your spiritual journey. This is where we talk about life, the way it was meant to be, and what it means to be a disciple of Jesus in the 21st century. Wherever you are, thanks for joining us on the journey today. Well, we're into March, and March brings warm weather. It brings thoughts of spring, and for the sports fan, it's March Madness. <laughs> and this is a time of year when people who haven't followed the whole season of college basketball, they'll get a bracket, and they'll fill out, and they'll try to guess which team is going to be in the Final Four, and then which team is going to win the whole thing. And for people that have stayed with us, this is kind of the, the mountaintop of what they've looked for all season. And so with that in mind, March Madness, we thought this month on our Friday podcast, we will just go through and talk about March Madness. Now, we're not going to be talking about basketball, but we're going to talk about the madness or the folly or the foolishness of several things. Uh, there was a movie out several years ago entitled, It's a Mad, Mad World. And in many ways, we see that spiritually. So we're going to be talking about the madness of sin today. But then from that, we're going to talk about the madness of materialism. We're going to be talking about the madness of the frantic rush just to get everything done in life. We're going to talk about the madness of trying to control the world, trying to find a fix for everything. And then the madness of trying to be good enough to get to heaven. And so through all of that, we, we hope that you'll join with us and follow us through this little journey together as we look at some scriptures. And so today we want to talk about the madness of sin. You know, sin is not something that just maybe a person or two gets. The book of Romans tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. This is something that affects all of us. And it's something that follows us all the time of our life here because of the choices we make. And so we talk about what sin is. We're going to see that it doesn't make a lot of sense. It's madness. And so let's begin, first of all, Jason, by, by defining some terms here so we all get on the same page. What do we mean by sin? Yeah, I, um, you know, it's fascinating to me how often we can use words like that in discussions like this, Bible classes, sermons. But when you slow down and just ask, like I did here recently in one of our building blocks, theme studies on a, a Wednesday night, we we just explored what is sin. And it's interesting that a lot of times people really have to think long and hard about how to define such an often used word. But what we discovered in that series, you can easily find it right there on uh, charlestownroad.org under our building blocks track of studies. Sin, all that that means is there's a target, a target I'm expected to hit by my creator, and I missed that target. It often flies in tandem in the Bible with the word transgression. Slightly different idea. Transgression just means to go across. There was a line, again, drawn by my creator, and I didn't respect that line. I went ahead and went across it. That's transgression. Or a third one that we often hear in the Bible is iniquity, right? All that that means is I was given something that was perfectly whole or straight or good, healthy, and I bent it. 
I, I made it crooked. And so with all of those, we've got something good, something that rightly belongs to or is prescribed by our creator. There's a target and I decided to aim somewhere else. There was a line and I decided to cross it. There was something good and healthy and true. And I decided to bend it, make it crooked. That's what the Bible words revolving around sin really are. Now I'll kick it back to you. Why do you think that is madness to have God draw a line and to cross it? Well, even before we get to that, we we have to describe or define who determines sin. Okay, you yeah. know, and that's I think that's a valuable thing. There, there's a lot of people who, well, you know, I you know I, I I don't like this or I don't like that, so that's a sin. And because I don't like it, I think it is a sin. Uh, and what we find in the Bible, it's God who describes what is sin. Right. God determines the good fruit and the bad fruit in Jesus' illustration in Matthew 7. So God's the one who draws a line, the boundary lines. And using our March Madness illustration, uh, you know, I was watching the game last night, and a player stepped on the out-of-bound line, and the ball went to the other team because he was out of bounds. Uh, the idea of that mark or that target, you know, the, the basketball player's got to get that ball as he shoots the free throw into that into the hoop and he may bounce off it he's missed the mark missed the target and so it's god who determines that the church doesn't make sin the church doesn't determine sin when people say well what does your church teach about or, or does your church think this is right does your church think this is wrong those are the wrong questions it's God who determines that through his word. So whether I live here, whether I live in Africa, whether I live now or I lived a long time ago, sin is something that's determined by God. Now, the madness of it comes about because it's going to take us away from God. Yeah. Uh, it, it's a folly. It's a foolishness. And there's lots of reasons for that. One of the first reasons it is that way because it doesn't make sense. Uh, sin hurts us. Sin hurts our relationship with God. Sin hurts someone else. You know, when, when somebody says, well, you know, it's my life, it's my body, it, it doesn't hurt anybody. Yes, it does. Sin always hurts, period. It always hurts. It takes us away from what God wants. God made us in an image. God made us for a specific purpose. When we don't do that, then we're not doing what God wants us to do. It makes me think of how Paul in Romans chapter 1 describes this downward spiral, right, where I can write sin off, I can say it's not that big of a deal, I can act as if I can control it, but like you said, it's always going to have a devastating effect. And so to... Uh, just listen to Paul in Romans 1, verse 18. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all what is sin. Here's another way of, of putting it. Ungodliness. That reminds us of who set the standard, right? God sets the standard. When I act ungodly, I'm failing to respect his right standard. That's why the, the wrath of God is revealed against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress 
the truth. Listen to this in verse 19. What can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. His invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. Here we are in in springtime and we're seeing just this amazing process of green things popping out of the ground, lawns turning green once again, hillsides becoming green once again, trees budding, flowers blooming. All around us are testaments to there is a creator. But what Paul describes in Romans 1 is, okay, I'm going to ignore those attributes. I'm not going to Thank God. I'm going to refuse to honor God. I'm, I'm going to act as if I know better than God. That's going to lead me to make foolish trades and it all just spirals into this madness of sin. You can read all about throughout the rest of Romans 1. Well, you know, it's interesting too because he's not talking to a group of people that didn't know. Uh, that, that's what comes out so strongly here in Romans yeah. 1. Uh, verse 19, which you read, it was evident before them. In verse 20, he talks about how they clearly knew they were without excuse. That chapter ends with verse 32. And although they know the ordinance of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they do not only do the same, but give hearty approval to those who practice them. Yeah. So, so you know, you know, the foolishness of this is, is here's a guy who knows Robin Banks is wrong. He knows that if he gets caught, he's going to go to prison. And what does he do? He robs a bank. And, and it's not like, well, I didn't know that. No, you knew that. And that's what makes it so madness. That's what makes it so uh, hard to understand and appreciate why people do those things, because it's so obvious that it's wrong. Now, the driving force, I think, a lot of times behind sin is just temptation, a weak heart, and not being able to stand up against God. But, but another attribute that makes it madness, I think it's found in the book of Hebrews here, chapter 11, as it's talking about Moses when he was living in Egypt with Pharaoh. And there in Hebrews 11, verse 25, it says that Moses choosing rather to endure the ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasure of sin. Uh, sin has a pleasurable side to it. If it didn't, we wouldn't do it at all. It'd be no problem. If sin was like root canal, we'd run away. <laughs> but, but there's a pleasure to it. But what, what the Hebrew writer tells us, it's a passing pleasure. Yeah. It doesn't last. And that's why the drug addict has to have another fix because that last one doesn't last. There has to be something else. And so that's the madness. It's never satisfying. It's never given us the completeness we need. There's a, there's a hole in our heart that's only God-shaped, and we try to fill it with things. It can never be filled the proper way. Yeah, there are lots of examples, obviously, in the Bible that we could point to. Samson, I mean, he has incredible strength. Uh, he has an incredible 
position given to him by God, right, as a a leader of the descendants of Abraham, but he slowly allows his heart, you know, we could describe it in a couple of ways. Is it slowly lulled to sleep? Does it slowly get harder and harder? Uh, A variety of ways we could analyze it, but ultimately he gets deceived into thinking, well, I can stop whenever I want. I can control the consequences. I'm the one who's in the driver's seat right here. And it's not going to take me into any territory that I don't want to go. And if if somehow I get there, I'll be able to turn right around. I'm the one who's in control in this situation. And tragically, he was deceived, right, by those passing pleasures. It, uh, We could lean on the New Testament parable of Jesus, the prodigal son, right? He has so much there at home with the blessing of his father, but self gets in the way. He, he's tempted by that uh, allure of the far country. And before we're just a few lines into the parable, here he is absolutely destitute, looking to eat the food that pigs would eat because no one will give him anything. Sin deceives us. And to your point, Roger, I mean, I can see that in the lives of others, right? I I, I can see the examples in the Bible. I can see real life examples all around me. But somehow this madness deceives me that well, I'll be the exception. Yeah, and, and I think somehow we get this idea that I'll get away with it. Yeah. You know, everyone else, they're going to get what they deserve, but somehow I'm going to get away with it. Uh, another powerful New Testament passage is in the book of Galatians, chapter 6, where, where there he reminds us, do not be deceived, God is not mocked, for whatever man sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh shall from the flesh reap corruption. The one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And so, you know, the the other madness point about sin is that uh, sin finds us out. Uh, we can never hide it. You know, you, you may look left, you may look right, and you may think no one's looking, uh, but you forget to look up because God's always looking. Yeah. And 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 that's madness because you cannot get away with it. You you cannot escape the punishment and the consequences that's wrapped up in these things. Well, and you you just read there from Galatians six. Whatever one sows, that he will also reap. You and Miss Debbie have beautiful landscaping around your yard and uh, back into the woods. I'm I'm guessing if she put it put some. Uh, some tulip bulbs in the ground this past fall. She's not disappointed that sunflowers aren't sprouting up, right? Absolutely. <laughs> we understand what you plant, what you sow, you're going to reap, right? And that applies to me, that applies to you, that applies to each one of us. Even if somehow I get away with it for a little while here on the earth. What Paul is reminding us there in Galatians 6 is, I can't mock God. You can't live like a sinner and die like a saint. Yeah. It's an old phrase I heard before. And and so so that that's that that's what makes sin madness is that it it just deceives us. It you know we we get the idea, well everybody does it and so everybody can't be wrong. Well, yeah, they can be. They can be. And and just to kind of follow the mass 
and do what everyone else is doing, uh, the call of the New Testament is to flee these things yeah. and to cling to Christ and to fill our hearts with righteousness and, and to fight the devil and to resist these things. And so, so it's a madness just to think, well, these things really don't matter. Well, they do matter. And, you know, I know a lot of things worse. You know, I, I, I've never, you know, burned a building down. So, you know, telling a lie is not that bad. Well, yeah, it is because God says it is. And, and so that's where some of the madness comes about because we try to, we try to make them lighter than what they really are. And we try to think it's no big deal, but it is to God. Yeah. So let me maybe begin to round our discussion off. I'll, I'll read one passage here and I'll give you a moment to think as well. If, if I find myself leaning in that direction of the madness of sin, leaning into believing these lies, what do I need to think about here as this weekend begins? It uh, reminds me of Paul's warning in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 3, where he says to those in Corinth, I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a, listen to this, a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Where does this begin to get out of control? Well, it's at the level of my thoughts, right? He's afraid that their thoughts will be led astray. I need to guard my thoughts. I need to make sure that above all, Christ is the Lord, not just of my Sunday mornings, but of my attitudes, my actions, my thoughts, my sincere and pure devotion belongs to him. Maybe that's worth thinking about as we head into this weekend. Roger, what other tips or advice would you offer? Well, you know, that's that's really the the background of where sin begins. It's in our mind. Yeah. You know, before it becomes an action, it, it, it begins in our heart and our mind. So uh, the Philippians were told this by Paul in Philippians 4, verse 8, Finally, brethren, whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's, whatever's of good repute, if there's anything worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these things. Dwell. See, you know, we talk about our dwelling. Our dwelling is our home. That's where we park it. That's where we stay. And that's what he's saying here. Let your mind stay on these good things. That will help keep sin away. I think another good thought is there's a couple of Proverbs I want to share with us. And again, they talk about this very idea. Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 17. Do not let your heart envy sinners, but live in the fear of the Lord always. And then in the very next chapter, it begins, chapter 24, Proverbs. Do not be envious of evil men, nor desire to be with them, for their minds devise violence and their lips talk of trouble. So that tells me what I'm, hang- who I'm hanging out with, what I'm filling my heart with. You know, Hollywood has always envied the sinner, the ungodly man, the ungodly relationship, the person that's breaking the laws. That, that's, that's how Hollywood always makes these grand, these great movies. The Bonnie and Clyde, the Dillingers, the, the bank robbers, the Jesse James, the outlaw, all those things, you know, the, 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 they make it in an appealing way to us. But you really look at what they have done. The proverb writer says, don't envy that. No. 
and get your mind back where it needs to be, and that's where God wants us to be. Yeah, the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah 5, woe to those who call evil good and good evil, right? I I can't stop the madness of the world or popular culture around me, but I can refuse to believe those lies. I can set my mind on the truth. The madness of sin. Roger, I I don't have a whole lot to look forward to when it comes to basketball March Madness. I'm going to have to live vicariously through you. My Buckeyes aren't going to get anywhere near that. But here in the the first Friday of March, I'm just going to put you on the spot. How far are your Boilermakers going to make it this year? What, what's your prediction? Uh, they'll make it to the final eight. The final eight. All right. You heard it here first. We will see. <laughs> do, do not be envious of putting money down on that. Either. No, no, no. no, no. <laughs> All right. The madness of sin. As you said, Lord willing, next Friday we'll dive into the madness of materialism. But just like pep talks are a popular thing this time of year with basketball teams, we hope this little pep talk has helped you set your mind on things above and given you a little more fuel for the journey. If you found it helpful, we would love it if you would take the time to share with others. In the meantime, always remember, when you're walking with Jesus, you're heaven bound and the best is yet to come.